The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
And uh, so with that, um, I'd like to welcome everyone uh, to this month's uh, meeting for the Commission on Disability Issues. Um, I would like to uh, first uh, just start with uh, the roll call. So Denise, if you don't mind uh, calling on individuals and then all we're going to do is say our name and say where we're zooming in from, preferably Ann Arbor or Washtenaw County or what city you're in. Thank you. Commissioner Poster. Commissioner Hawkins. Chair Damon. Yes, hi. Uh, I'm Zach Damon. I'm the chairman of the Commission on Disability okay. Issues, and um, I'm zooming in from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Solomon. Matthew Solomon, Ann Arbor, Michigan, USA. Thank you. Commissioner Mozak. Uh, yes, um, Kathleen Mosak calling in from Ann Arbor, Michigan, Washington County. Commissioner Hall is absent today. Commissioner Keeler. Uh, Commissioner Keeler, uh, Larry Keeler, and I'm calling from my recliner on West Side Ann Arbor. Alex Gossage, Commissioner, uh, calling in from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Button. I'm Commissioner Kinsey Button calling in from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Commissioner Alan Pipkins, not here yet, and Council Member Nelson. Uh, Council Member Nelson, I am calling in from the city of Ann Arbor. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, everyone. Oh, go ahead, Larry. I didn't say nothing. Okay, no problem. But thank you all um, for taking the time today. Uh, next on our agenda is the approval of today's agenda. Uh, all of you on the commission should have received uh, a copy of this document uh, for review. Uh, so if there are any corrections, edits uh, at this time uh, that you think should be uh, added to the, the agenda, I'd like to open that up uh, to comment at this time. However, if not, is there a motion to approve today's agenda? I'll move to approve it. Okay, Larry moves to approve. Is there I'll a second? second? Okay, Kathleen seconds. So if you could folks, uh, just within the screen here, if you are in favor, if you could just raise your hand uh, on the commission and say aye. 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 All right. Aye. Thank you very much folks. Today's agenda is approved. All right, moving forward, uh, we have the special presentation portion of our meeting. Uh, wanted to double check. Oh, here we go. We have an amazing uh, guest for us today, and I really appreciate uh, his time and joining us uh, virtually this afternoon. I would like to welcome the Democratic floor leader, Representative Yusuf Rabi, uh, to the floor. So Rep. Rabi, um, he's going to be speaking on the complete reform of the no-fault auto law. I encourage all of us uh, to listen intently uh, as to why this is important. Uh, and just uh, as one more point of information uh, down in the agenda, we've also put a copy of that uh, for your review. But uh, Rep. Robbie, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us. 
Well, thank you so much for having me here. This is uh, awesome. Really appreciate the opportunity to address all of you about this important issue. Um, and so, you know, I can go for, uh, uh, you know, just a little while here and then open it up for questions. I'd be happy to take any of those if that's appropriate. Um, but I guess briefly what I wanted to talk about today is, you know, obviously I think, I think a lot of you already know uh, first of all, thank you for all the work that you do, um, you know, for the city of Ann Arbor and, and for all of our constituents, um, you know, here in this community. You know, obviously the work that you're doing is very important and ties in directly to this issue around, um, you know, auto no fault and, uh, you know, the, the changes that have taken place. Um, so just a brief history that I wanted to discuss with all of you um, around no fault. So as you know, Michigan had um, for a long time. Um, the actually over 40 years, we had the best, um, you know, coverage in the nation for auto accident survivors. Um, what it meant is, you know, we had, uh, as you know, unlimited coverage, meaning that um, anyone that was in an auto accident, regardless of who was the at-fault driver, um, that individual was taken care of. All of their, um, you know, medical needs, um, immediate acute needs were taken care of, all of their um, you know, uh, re uh, rehabilitation and, uh, you know, post-acute care needs were covered, um, whether they had, uh, you know, severe spinal cord or brain injuries, um, there were rehabilitation services, um, and Michigan had one of the premier um, networks of rehabilitation providers in the entire country as a result of, um, you know, the system that we had created here. Um, in addition, the coverage extended to um, home health care and ensuring that all um, individuals that had survived a catastrophic accident were covered with um, up to um, 24 hours, uh, you know, seven days a week of care. Because as um, you all know, many individuals who have suffered a traumatic uh, brain or spinal cord injury um, require that level of, um, you know, uh, attention to be able to, you know, uh, survive, frankly. Uh, and so many times family members would be providing this service. And of course, um, if a family member uh, has to quit their job, um, you know, and does, is no longer able to have a, a career uh, because they have to, you know, focus on the care of their loved one, um, the system was designed to ensure that that individual was, um, you know, compensated for the care that they were providing. Um, additionally, the, the system uh, provided for lost wages for the individual um, that was catastrophically injured um, and provided for a variety of, you know, uh, benefits around, uh, upgrading homes to ensure that the that the homes of the individuals who were catastrophically injured could be retrofitted to um, ensure that they had things like wheelchair ramps or accessible bathrooms and showers. Um, and so these were all services that the system used to provide to all Michiganders. Um, and we paid for it um, using uh, basically what was known as the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Association fee, there was an assessment that was placed on all of our insurance, uh, auto insurance. And there's a lot of talk about how expensive auto insurance was. And indeed, auto insurance ha uh, was expensive in the state of Michigan for a very long time, um, and still is. Uh, but the what we got, uh, well, what we paid for, uh, for all of that was $200 per year per driver. So when you when you hear people talk about, you know, they have a $10,000 um, you know, a year premium for their auto insurance. Again, put that in perspective, only $200 of that um, is, is what was needed to cover this, um, you know, universal care basically for all catastrophic, um, you know, survivors. That's pretty substantial. The mechanics of how that worked, just so that you're all aware, 
is um, the first $550,000 of care was covered by the auto insurance provider um, using the personal injury protection premium section of your auto insurance. Um, so if you look at your auto insurance bill, there's a number of different subsections. You know, there's collision coverage, there's liability coverage, et cetera. Um, the personal injury protection uh, coverage that you paid for, um, that line item was uh, covering the first $550,000 of care. Um, everything above and beyond that first $550,000 of care was covered by the Catastrophic Claims Association Fund, that $200 per year that I was just talking about. So in 2019, there was a, an effort uh, by, uh, uh, frankly, the, the governor uh, and the um, mayor of Detroit, Mike Duggan, and the insurance industry to uh, change the way that the auto insurance system in the state of Michigan worked. Um, and a few of the changes that were made, um, you know, focused around some of the talking points that were used uh, for a long time uh, to uh, basic by the auto insurance industry to talk about some of the flaws that did exist in the old uh, system. Um, some of the flaws that existed included the fact that insure that uh, that insurance rates were very high, uh, and so for for a lot of Michiganders, and so that that was a that was an important issue with the old system. Um, but that was largely the result of the fact that the insurance industry uh, was able to set rates without any type of um, oversight by the state. Um, and so they could set rates at their at their will um, and they could be exorbitant uh, and there was no real checks and balances on what the insurance industry could charge people. Um, in addition, another uh, issue that we as Democrats in the House have long um, talked about that existed with the old, old legislation is that it permitted uh, essentially the use of non-driving factors, um, which is essentially rate setting that involves um, using, uh, well, it's self-explanatory, non-driving factors. So they would use things like your zip code, um, your gender, you know, all these different factors could apply to setting how much you pay in your auto insurance. And the argument that the auto insurance industry always make, always made is that, um, well, you know, they have some science that proves that, you know, uh, that, you know, women are different types of drivers than men and that people that live in certain zip codes are different, you know, that there's more liability for them to cover. Um, all of those arguments to me have, have been completely asinine and I don't, um, I do not buy into that argument. So uh, when the reform came forward in 2019, it was predicated on lowering rates and ending redlining. Now, the reforms that were achieved in 2019 were not reforms. They were a complete decimation of our best in the nation auto insurance system that covered everybody and provided that universal coverage. And in exchange, we were told we were getting lower rates. But if you read the bill, as I did um, in, in the moments before it, it passed, because we really didn't have much time to actually review the legislation, it is very clear that the bill does not actually uh, reduce rates. It says very explicitly that the rate reduction, first of all, only applies to the personal injury protection portion of your premium, meaning your whole auto insurance bill does not necessarily need to go down. Um, they could increase your collision coverage uh, uh, premium and decrease your PIP coverage uh, you know, by a little bit. And as long as they fulfilled their reduction of the PIP coverage, that would check the box in the law. Also, the law um, was explicit that it said the rate reductions were on average across the state, meaning that some residents in the city of Detroit and other places that were paying high premiums could still and do and are still seeing exorbitant rates, um, even though the average reduction across the state 
may be um, you know, achieved by the insurance industry. There were also plenty of off-ramps for the insurance industry. If it was not feasible for them to reduce rates, that was an off-ramp. Um, so the bill was designed with uh, plenty of loopholes for the auto insurance industry. And what we have seen is not a rate reduction, but actually uh, we, are, we are expecting to see double-digit rate increases um, this year. The redlining issue is also another factor that they said was going to be solved. Again, those of us that read the bill saw in pure black and white ink that it was not going to be solved, that they still, in fact, permitted numerous non-driving factor uh, rating factors, including they did specifically eliminate zip codes because that's something that we talked a lot about that was an injustice. They did specifically eliminate zip codes. But right underneath that, they said, you can't use zip codes, but you can use any other territorial rating factor, meaning that they can still set your rates based on the city you live in, your um, your state rep district, your state senate district, your census tract, they just can't use specifically zip codes, but they can use any other type of territorial rating factor. So long story short, we gave up our best in the nation care in exchange for nothing, basically. We got empty promises, no reduction in rates, no end to redlining. There was no benefits to this bill. So um, when this when the, uh, the, the the hallmark portion of the legislation and frankly, the most devastating components of it. Uh, first of all, again, those of us that read it, were talking about this at the time that it passed in 2019. One of the things that the bill did, another talking point that the insurance industry had been using is part of the reason that they said rates were so high is because there were providers that were um, abusing the system that were charging too much um, to the state uh, or to the MCCA for, uh, for care. Um, and so their solution, which was completely stupid, I mean, I, I know this is a, a public meeting, but there's no other way to say it. It was, it was probably the um, most ridiculous approach to legislation, legislating that I've ever seen, um, is they said that for, so they, they did uh, basically create caps on how much a provider could be reimbursed. If you're a hospital and you're billing for a service that has a billable code under Medicare, then um, you can charge basically, uh, I think it's like, depending on the type of hospital that you are, it's like 125, 150, 200% of Medicare, um, if it's a billable code. If it's not a billable code, meaning uh, all the post-acute care providers, the brain injury and spinal cord injury rehabilitation centers, any post-acute care, basically, um, those in, under the law, the law said those are all reduced by 45% based on what the company was charging in January of 2019. So if you take a step back and think about it, what I was saying at the time and what ended up turning out to be true, if you're a bad actor and you're charging, you know, say $5,000 for a $500 service, and, and then there's a good actor that's charging $500 for a $500 service, and you cut everybody across the board 45%, the bad actors are the ones that are going to be able to stay in business because they're still making, you know, $2,500 on a $500 service but the good actors that have been charging, you know, a fair amount the whole time basically got screwed by the system. And so we have seen now this wave, now that it's uh, that has taken effect, this wave of closures of post-acute care providers. We've had over 100 close um, and they're, uh, those that they're providing care to have, um, you know, obviously been basically been uh, left without any options because the other providers are not taking on new clients. Uh, many people have had to go to the ER. Some people have had to turn to um, you know, family members. And of course, some uh, we have seen have been severely injured, worsening uh, outcomes for them, and some have even died. 
Um, and so this has been a catastrophic uh, uh, failure of the system. Um, additionally, um, coverage for those that are providing attendant care has been dramatically reduced. Again, we used to have 24, hour, uh, 24 hours of care that was reimbursable. Um, the new system caps it at 56 hours a week, meaning that uh, 56 hours of care is reimbursable and the rest is not. Uh, so it is extremely difficult for an individual who's catastrophically injured um, to be able to survive with essentially no care for the remaining, um, you know, dozens of hours in the week that 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 they that there's no coverage for. Um, in addition, the insurance companies have now been emboldened to uh, essentially not reimburse individuals for for covered care. So even things like the you know, like I was saying earlier, ret retrofitting homes with wheelchair ramps, um, you know, and so on. That is now uh, the insurance companies sometimes are are sending back reimbursement that's fifty percent. Uh, there's because or forty five or fifty five percent because they're saying that it's a not a Medicare billable service and so they're going to only reimburse fifty five percent and uh, which is ridiculous. You can't build fifty five percent of a wheelchair ramp that doesn't make sense. Um, and so, but that that's what they're claiming that they can do. And in some cases, they're just flat out denying the entire claim because they know that a lot of individuals that are that have catastrophic injuries do not have the financial uh, capacity to be able to actually go in and. Uh, fight the insurance companies to get paid. So as of now, the insurance industry has basically um, in complete control of the situation. They are, um, you know, making it very difficult for people to receive the care that they need. Um, and we are in dire circumstances right now with, with the current situation that we're in. So I have introduced a piece of legislation to fully repeal the 2019 changes to our auto insurance um, law. Um, the, that bill has been introduced now. I had several co-sponsors that did co-sign it. The bill is a clean and full repeal of the 2019 law. Again, because I said, as I said earlier, we, we got, uh, basically, we lost our best in the nation coverage in exchange for empty promises and things that did not materialize. Um, and those of us that, again, that read the bill knew that they wouldn't, but here we are now, two, three years later, and we see that they're not going anywhere. So my bill is a full repeal, gets us back to the old system where we actually covered um, you know, everybody in the state and uh, made sure that those that were catastrophically injured were not left literally in the cold to die. Um, and so that's what I came here to talk about today. And I think I've been droning on for a little too long, so I'm gonna turn it back over. And if there are questions, I'm happy to answer those. Thank you so much, Rep. Robbie, um, for that wonderful explanation, very detailed. And of course, the points you hammered home uh, are definitely paramount. Folks, I, I know that there's probably a lot of questions, um, but I'd like to limit it, if you don't mind, uh, just to two or three. So if you do have one, please uh, use the hand raising uh, function and Denise will call on you. Um, but I, I anticipate that there, if there are other questions um, that uh, uh, Rep. Robbie, we can reach out to you uh, with those going forward. Uh, but folks, if you do have a question, uh, please raise your hand um, in the program and Denise can call on you at this time. Um, Commissioner Mose. Thank you very much. And thank you for being here, Representative Robbie. I am wondering what can we do as individuals, as a commission, as the people who are listening to this right now um, on CTN, uh, 
how can we help get behind this and, and really help support what's happening? And when is the, um, when is this going to be voted on? Uh, all great questions. Thank you. And so, yes, there's a lot that individuals can do to help, um, you know, resolve this, this problem. Um, obviously the, the solutions I think are very, um, you know, present. Um, there's also another series of bills that we introduced, um, it, that would basically help either with my bill passing, um, if we were to repeal the full 2019 law, or even they would be helpful, even if, nothing changed with the 2019 law. Um, some of them include uh, bills that I drafted that I actually handed to other members to introduce. One of the bills requires that um, the state Department of Insurance and Financial Services essentially approve all rates that are set, uh, that are um, that insurance companies uh, uh, um, charge and premiums. That is the single greatest uh, and most effective factor um, that we've seen across the country in ensuring that there is control on what rates the insurance companies charge. And it's actually resulted in a reduction in rates in states that have implemented this. And so we believe this is one of the number one things that we need to implement in order to uh, reduce rates in the state of Michigan. The other one is a bill to um, eliminate the redlining and non-driving factors that are being used. Uh, and, you know, this bill package would say no territorial rating factors at all can be used. No protected classes under the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act can be used. Um, and so that solves, you know, a lot of the gender issue and, you know, many other factors as well. So we've, we've introduced a bunch of bills to try to, you know, solve a lot of those problems. There's a lot of legislation that we've introduced as well to address the uh, 45% reduction. Um, it's even been, many of it, bipartisan. There has been Republican and Democratic support for this. Um, the problem, basically, bottom line problem is Speaker of the House leadership in both chambers um, has essentially refused to allow any of this legislation to move forward. So what can people do? I think that the first thing is we need folks to contact, um, you know, their their legislators. Obviously, if I'm your legislator, I'm already, you know, very tuned in on this issue. But what I always encourage people in my district to do is you probably have friends, you probably have family members that live in other parts of the state. I encourage you to call them to talk to them about this problem. And frankly, again, this is a this is an issue that crosses the political spectrum. This is not a partisan issue. Um, you can call a, re a Republican or a Democratic uh, friend, co uh, colleague, uh, you know, uh, a relative of yours and have this conversation, help them understand how this is impacting people and encourage them to contact their legislators um, we basically need to create a situation where nobody can ignore this problem um, any longer. And I, and I do want to give a shout out. There has been many activists um, that have been both uh, catastrophic uh, injury survivors, as well as their family members that have showed up at the Capitol building um, to raise their voices, to talk to legislators. If you're interested in, in being part of that, um, I would encourage you to do that. I think showing up to the Capitol is a great and effective way of doing it. Basically, every single legislative session day, we have people in the lobby um, that are there talking to legislators. Um, if you want to be part of that effort, I'd say just show up um, on a session day in the lobby. And, um, you know, there, there will be opportunities. There will be people there already talking to their legislators. So there, there's a lot of um, ways to get involved. The other one is I know that there's you know, um, some conversation. And, and I'd love to talk more with all of you about uh, the possibility of doing local resolutions around uh, around this. I know that this is something that, you know, Zach, that you've been working 
on quite a bit along with Councilwoman Nelson and uh, you know others to try to get this moving forward. I know the county also has an effort underway. If we can build that momentum, um, you know, at local units of government, I think it helps to you know amplify that conversation quite a bit. And thank you, um, Kathleen, for the question. Commissioner Gossage. Uh, thank you for being here uh, today, Representative Robbie. Do you happen to have the numbers for those companion bills you mentioned that were related to the um, striking down the redlining and, and those things? Uh, I don't have them off the top of my head, but I can um, get them to you before the end of this call. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Wonderful. Any other questions we have for Rep. Robbie at this time, folks? I think this is really, really great, uh, wonderful work uh, that Rep. Robbie that you're doing, but also uh, thank you for your kind words in terms of, you know, what our commission is attempting to do uh, in terms of, you know, our position and doing our best to be a voice on, on this issue as well. Absolutely. Well, I just appreciate all the work that you're doing and I'll give you the bill numbers right now. I just pulled them up. Um, so there's the one on forcing DIFFs to, uh, well, forcing the insurance companies to get their rates approved by DIFFs. That's House Bill 6000. Um, so easy to remember, House Bill 6000. That's a representative hood out of Grand Rapids has introduced that bill. Um, and then the one on the redlining is House Bill 6005. That's uh, Representative Jones that introduced that one. Um, and there are several there are several other bills in, in that package of bills. Um, and I, I sponsored a couple of them. And uh, those two bills that I did mention, again, I drafted them, but I did give them to other members to introduce. Um, and I think they're fantastic bills. But yeah, those are the bill numbers on those. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate your time, uh, Rep. Robbie, because I know <laughs> how busy you are. And, um, you know, the good fight that you're fighting and, um, uh, you know, I individually definitely appreciate your efforts and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain the rest of the commission does as well. Well, I really appreciate you for inviting me to be. Uh, you're on mute. Sweet. Zoom, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so no, I was just I was just saying uh, really appreciate you for having me here today and I uh, want to thank all of the commissioners for being engaged on this issue. You know, we need everybody at the table, um, you know, as part of this discussion and part of this, you know, movement. So um, really, really appreciate all of you for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Great presentation and thank you so much again for Rep. Robbie's time. Um, next on our agenda, I just wanna make sure I'm not muted here. Okay, I'm not, there we go. Next on our agenda, we have Thea Yarger-Lander of the Office of Sustainability and Innovations and Sustainable Energy uh, Utility. Uh, so Thea, thank you so much for joining us and of course, so close, so close, excuse me, uh, to Earth Day. So what a pleasure to have you and thank you very much. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I do have some slides prepared. Would it be possible to have screen sharing enabled? 
I'm going to um, make you a co-host and then you can. Um, okay. Is that good? Oh, there we go. Awesome. Cool. Can you see that okay? Yes. Okay, great. Um, again, thank you so much for having me here today. My name is Thea Jaeger-Lenner. I'm an energy analyst with the City of Ann Arbor's Office of Sustainability and Innovation. Um, and hopefully pretty briefly today, um, I want to provide an overview of what the sustainable energy utility is and how it would operate in Ann Arbor um, and some next steps to learn more and provide feedback. Um, as some background, Ann Arbor has an ambitious goal of achieving zero climate pollution by 2030. To understand how to achieve that goal, it's important to look into where that climate pollution is coming from. Um, locally, 40% of our community-wide uh, climate pollution, otherwise known as greenhouse gas emissions, um, comes from building electricity usage. Um, and then nearly two-thirds of our emissions come from electricity plus natural gas that's used to heat and cool our buildings. Um, so given this reality, we know that solutions to reducing local climate pollution necessitate finding pathways to both clean our electricity grid and support the transition away from the use of fossil gas, which we use again for heating and cooling and switching that to clean electricity. Um, so we know that we need to provide renewable energy to address these emissions. Um, I also wanna show you where we're starting from. Um, so this is our current fuel mix uh, locally from, from DTE. Um, and I included in here local solar. Um, so recently we've seen a ground solar and adoption of solar through our group by program, Solarize. Um, and just to put this in context in Ann Arbor, um, that's still less than half of a percent of total electricity use. And so today I'm gonna talk about a way that we can unlock a much higher adoption of local clean and renewable energy. Um, so this chart shows the low and high estimated solar impact um, solar capacity unlocked by the sustainable energy utility. Um, so as we look for ways to improve the reliability and the fuel mix of our energy supply, it's important to understand the energy landscape in Michigan. Um, Ann Arbor has what is known as a pre-foot act franchise, um, which means that DT has the right into perpetuity to provide power to the city. However, foot act franchises are not exclusive and so the Michigan Constitution protects the right of cities and villages to create their own municipal utility. This can be done either via a taking or what we call like a condemnation and then a buyout of the incumbent utility and their infrastructure or via the creation of a supplement utility. Um, to date, every community that has started their own municipal electric, electric utility within Michigan, um, with the last being Zealand, which was done in 1902, uh, they did so by starting a utility from scratch uh, when service was not already widespread. And you can kind of imagine why um, standing up a full set of poles and wires to directly compete with the incoming utility is an expensive proposition, um, as is buying out their infrastructure through condemnation, which means that you acquire that infrastructure, um, which is often in pretty poor condition. So, what if instead we created a complementary community-owned energy utility that provides electricity from local solar and battery storage systems inst installed 
on homes and businesses in our community. Um, what if that community-owned utility provided 100% clean, reliable, locally built, and affordable electricity built right here in our community? Uh, this utility would give residents a choice for where they procure their energy and a choice we don't have today. And this parallel utility would not duplicate their traditional get grid um, with all of its vulnerabilities, but it would focus on generating clean, reliable, and affordable power now. Um, so that's what the city of Ann Arbor is looking to do via the creation of a sustainable energy utility. Um, we uh, abbreviated it as SEU. I'll try to say it out because I know it's not a term that most people are familiar with, but I'll do my best. Um, so as envisioned, a sustainable energy utility would focus on would focus first on generating local clean energy. Um, that's energy that would feed directly into our homes, businesses, places of worship, and community centers. This clean energy would be paired with storage to help improve energy reliability and offered in conjunction with deep energy waste reduction programs to help our residents lower their energy costs and usage, um, all while improving comfort. The concept of a sustainable energy utility is grounded in choice, uh, providing Ann Arborites another way to procure a large portion of their energy, one that is coming from clean, local, reliable, and resilient sources. The sustainable energy utility would enable a lot more people to get the benefit of solar by directly paying for installation on residential and business roofs, carports, and via ground-mounted systems. So residents wouldn't be owner of that solar system, the public or the sustainable energy utility would. Residents would subscribe to purchase their energy at a rate that is based on costs and the sustainable energy utilities operation needs um, from the system on their or even their neighbor's roof. Um, if all of the residents' powers needs are met, the excess generation from that solar system on the property flows into a battery system. This means that residents could still have power if the big traditional grid goes down. Um, this is something that's already possible today. Additionally, the sustainable energy utility would not be limited by current utility restrictions that constrain solar system sizes and the amount of solar allowed a lot on the grid, um, which is like the current 1% cap on solar. Um, instead, the sustainable energy utility would seek to maximize solar installations, leveraging all viable sunny roof space. Over time, individual solar systems would be connected through a series of microgrids not DTE's grid. The sustainable energy utility could also offer a series of robust energy waste reduction programs, helping people lower energy demand and improve their comfort in their homes. These services will be available to anyone that participates in the SEU, kind of like at current energy waste reduction offerings that are available through our incumbent utility. However, we could offer a slew of additional opt-in services that individuals can use to improve comfort, reduce bills, and save energy. Uh, these additional offerings can be financed through on-bill finance. Uh, through on-bill financing, the SEU is able to pay the upfront costs of improvements, such as energy efficiency or electrification upgrades or switching from fossil fuel to electricity, um, and residents pay back the costs through their utility bills. This allows the cost of the improvements to stay with the home as opposed to the resident and it helps reduce the initial upfront costs needed to make the improvements. Uh, this makes these types of improvements much more accessible to residents, especially low-income individuals and renters, um, individuals historically omitted from these utility programs. The sustainable energy utility would also provide support for 
beneficial electrification, ensuring that we have safer, more comfortable, and cleaner homes and businesses, and eventually offer community solar programs so that individuals without viable solar access can still reap the benefits of clean energy. Um, I know there was a lot to digest, um, so let me iterate the core of a sustainable energy utility. Um, NSEU is a community-owned utility that focuses on generating local, clean, and reliable energy and doing that fast. It's about leveraging existing technologies and practices, such as solar and storage, uh, to reduce emissions quickly while improving reliability. It's about ensuring that all Ann Arborites have access to solutions to improve comfort, reduce bills, and reap the benefits of the clean energy economy. The SEU, as I mentioned before, is about generating locally owned, reliable, clean, and affordable energy. Because we generate it locally, we don't need a large and vulnerable distribution network. This also means we don't have to worry about buying a lot of poles and wires or about extreme weather events knocking the SEU supplied power out. Instead, we can focus on generating clean, reliable, local energy fast and reducing climate pollution rapidly. Um, to close out, I just want to share a handful of of examples of how the sustainable energy utility could work. Um, this isn't like an all-inclusive list, but some examples for how some of these concepts, concepts I've discussed could work in practice. Um, so starting with an example of a homeowner or a business owner who has good solar potential, but doesn't have the capital or ability to install solar on their roof. In this case, the individual would subscribe or enroll in the sustainable energy utility as a supplemental utility to DTE. The SEU would work with that homeowner to conduct a needs assessment, identifying potential energy waste reduction and electrification opportunities. Uh, selected opportunities would be Im implemented and the homeowner would have the option of financing those through the SEU's on-bill finance program. The SEU would strive to create a financing package where the electric bill is the same or ideally less than what they're currently paying. Once those are paid off, the resident reaps the full benefits of those improvements. Concurrent with the above, uh, the SEU installs solar on their roof. The resident pays their energy bill as they always have, paying per kilowatt hour of usage generated from the on-site solar system. Any additional power they draw from DTE is paid directly to DTE. In this way, the resident has two bills, the SEU bill for the energy used from the on-site solar system and one for DTE to the power drawn from the grid. Um, another example is a resident or a business that's interested in energy waste reduction and beneficial electrification options, but they can't install solar, um, maybe because they have some great trees uh, that's blocking really good solar access to the roof. Uh, in this case, the individual would receive an on-site assessment to identify energy waste reduction and beneficial electrification opportunities. Um, they would then choose which options to move forward with and would have the option of financing them through the Sustainable Energy Utilities on-bill financing mechanism. The individual could register to join a micro or nano grid and share power with residents that have better solar potential once enough of those neighbors sign up for the SEU. Uh, this individual would also still receive two energy bills, one for the portion of the improvements financed through the SEU and one for the energy they pulled from DTE. And then a third example is a resident that already has solar on their home or business. In this case, they would take advantage of all of the energy waste reduction and beneficial electrification support offered through the SEU and leverage on-bill financing to pay for those improvements. 
Um, this resident could enroll for an SEU battery if they don't currently have one. Um, they can also enroll in the sustainable energy utility and sell their excess power to the SEU so it can be distributed to their neighbors. So kind of like, uh, if I go back one slide, I don't know, kind of like the inverse of this scenario um, or on the other side of it, share it with, with their neighbors. Um, and then the rates for being sold to the SEU still need to be determined, but an intent is to get as close as possible to net metering. Um, in this way, this resident is helping provide power to the SEU and to their neighbors. Okay. And then a fourth example is a multifamily rental. Um, so we know that over half of housing units in an upper are rentals. Um, so I think that's always important to address. Um, in this case, the SEU would work closely with landlords and property owners and also tenants to customize solutions to meet individual needs. Um, rental units are eligible for all the sustainable energy utility offerings. Um, so that's the energy waste reduction, solar and storage installation, beneficial electrification, and then eventually being tried, tied to a local microgrid. The cities work on green leases paired with the on-bill financing tools offered to the sustainable energy utility can help ensure the cost of the improvements stay with the building and allow the cost of improvements to be spread over longer periods of time, offering, offering the opportunity for immediate health, safety, and comfort improvements at reasonable cost. Um, the last example I'll run through is community solar. Um, in some cases, individuals might not have access to on-site renewable energy generation. Um, maybe they're near a common area, such as a parking lot, a school rooftop, parks, or other shared spaces. Um, there, off-site solar would be installed, and then individuals can subscribe to take a portion of this energy to help power uh, their homes, their life, their business. Uh, in this way, anyone in the community can participate in the SEU, even if they don't own their own home or don't have viable solar potential on site. Individuals that subscribe to the community solar offering pay per kilowatt hour of usage directly to the, directly to the SEU, and then they pay DTE for any power they use from that utilities grid. These are just a few examples of how the proposed SEU could work. Um, if you'd like to learn more, uh, we have a website, a2gov.org forward slash A2SEU. And then if you're interested in seeing the city move forward with an SEU, uh, I really wanna encourage you to register your interest by taking a very short five question survey. Um, you can access that at the second bullet point that's also available at the a2gov.org slash A2SEU site. Um, and then if you have any additional questions, uh, you can go ahead and send those to sustainability at a2gov.org. Um, so thank you so much for letting me share a bit about the proposed Ann Arbor Sustainable Energy Utility, a clean, reliable, locally built and affordable way to power our community. And I will stop Dad, sharing. Thea, thank you so much. That was uh, very, very in-depth. And I think, um, you know, wonderful. Uh, I think sustainability is key, folks, uh, in how we're living uh, as a great community and as, and as a city. And I think we can be uh, innovators and an example. So thank you very much. Um, do we have any, do we, I want to limit, limit it to like one or two questions uh, at the moment um, for today, if she doesn't mind. Uh, do we have any questions for her right now? Commissioner Mosley. Thank you. I have two quick questions. My first question is, would it be possible for us to get a copy of your slide presentation? 
And then my second question is, uh, how do local government buildings, local schools, and the Ann Arbor Housing Commission uh, figure into this plan? Because it seems to me that that's sort of a built-in starting point, uh, but I didn't hear you mention any of those. Yeah, um, those are some of those are currently under discussion of where and how they could fit into the SEU. Um, I agree that they are kind of some of the more like institutions than Ann Arbor that are these like groups of buildings um, might make a lot of sense. So that's something we're currently already, you know, having conversations about. Um, and I'm happy to follow up once, once we learn more. Awesome. Um, any other questions? I see we got a hand raised. Okay. Mr. Solomon. Hi, thanks for that uh, very detailed presentation. My question is just sort of like where things stand with this initiative. Uh, obviously, it's going to require a great deal of capital. It's going to require a lot of community support. Where does it stand? It seems kind of in an exploratory phase, or how would you describe it? Yeah, um, so we had an initial report that's pretty technical that came out um, I think last year, I apologize. I have like COVID timing is my is messed up a little bit. I think that came out last year. So that's available online if you want to read the more technical report. Um, and then from city council's direction, we're now pursuing a more um, specifically technical analysis, um, both of an SEU and a technical municipality uh, or a traditional, my goodness, a traditional municipal utility. Um, through an options analysis. Um, and in parallel to that, we're currently registering uh, public interest. So we're trying to take the gauge on how Ann Arbor feels about this. Um, that's why we're really encouraging folks to go to that website and take that very brief survey. Um, so yes, yes to both of what we're currently working on. Wonderful. Uh, any other questions? they at this time uh, i i have one quick one so what kind of what kind of responses they have you like gotten so far uh from the community uh other other uh you know developers and then other businesses around the community um you know have they seen the benefits of this and how uh you know it can help uh not only the environment but it can help in terms of you know just being sustainable and how we live and uh and how we operate yeah, we've definitely seen some interest. Um, so like, I am excited to see um, how things move forward if they do with the Ann Arbor Public Schools and interest there. Um, I think there is interest in one, that a, a, a big proponent of this is having improved reliability and resilience. Um, one, people really feel the pain like in last, um, August when we had this four day long power outage and all of our food ended up and from the fridge into the trash and whatnot. Um, so we know there's a lot of pain felt there. We know that there's a lot of pain even just day to day in power reliability. Um, so that's just like knowing on a typical day that your power is going to stay on. Um, so based off of those two factors, we've seen a lot of interest. Um, and then we're trying to like capture that specific interest um, and any additional questions, concerns, or comments um, in the survey that we're currently running. So I'm really excited to hear what we learned from that. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for all the work that you and your office uh, of sustainability are doing. Um, at this point, are there any other last questions? And Thea, by the way, yes, if you don't mind, uh, if you could send us uh, that presentation, I think that would be great um, for others to view. Um, and uh, hopefully that's not too much trouble, but thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. You're muted. Oh. I apologize. I, I'm happy to share that over. I was checking that I wasn't already on the agenda. So definitely. Okay. Thank you. All right. Moving on. Um, let's see. Oh, it actually is on the agenda. I see here, folks. Okay. Um, so let's see. All right. Moving on now. Um, oops, looks like this got moved down a little bit out of order, folks. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll do this um, just before recruiting activity because I want to make sure that we get our presentations uh, finished. But next, we have a presentation from the Washtenaw Library for the Blind and Physically Disabled and Ms. Katie Monkevich. So Katie, welcome. Hi, hi everybody. Good to see you and good to be here as usual. Um, I have a couple of upcoming events to share with you all. We have a, an event coming up on regenerative agriculture. What is it? How can it save the planet? And how are local farmers putting it into practice? That'll be April 22nd from 6.30 to 8 p.m. That's a Friday at the Westgate Branch. Five area farmers are coming together to discuss how they practice regenerative agriculture and why doing so is important to them and to the planet. Panelists will represent Old City Acres from Belleville, Baseline Farm from Dexter, the Community Farm of Ann Arbor, and the Green Things Farm Collective from Ann Arbor. Then we have an author talk and demonstration for the book Chance Encounters with David Zinn. It's very exciting. That will be on Saturday, April 23rd from 2 to 3 p.m. at the Downtown Library outside under the tent on the corner of Library Lane and Fifth Avenue. We are going to have renowned Ann Arbor sidewalk talk artist David Zinn. He's back with his new book. Come join us, watch David's demonstration, then create your own chalk art with your family. Nicola's books will be on site with copies of David's new book, Chance Encounters, Temporary Street Art. He will hang out afterwards and he'll be signing, he'll be signing books at the event as well. Then we have a film screening coming up for the film, Who Killed Vincent Chin? That's on Tuesday, May 3rd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Downtown Library. On a hot summer night in Detroit, Ronald Ebens, an auto worker, killed a young Chinese-American engineer with a baseball bat. Although he confessed, he never spent a day in jail. This gripping Academy Award-nominated film relentlessly probes the implications of murder in the streets of Detroit, for the families of those involved and for the American justice system. And then finally for our events, I want you all to save the date for Visions 2022. It's gonna be, um, that's our technology fair for people who are visually and physically disabled. 
And that is going to be on Wednesday, June 8th at the Downtown Library. And I'm going to have some more details to share with y'all at next month's meeting. So I'll give you all some, um, some full announcements then, but this is just a little sneak peek for that. Um, let's see. I think in the interest of time today, I'm going to skip mentioning some specific materials uh, today, but I just want to remind you that Washtenaw Library for the Blind and Print Disabled Patrons can order digital cartridges and receive any sort of help from us by calling 734-327-4224, or you can always email us at wlbpd at aadl.org. And to sign up for the Braille and audio reading service, BARD, to download your own books and choose from tens of thousands of titles, visit nlsbard.loc.gov or call us and we can assist you with the application. Does anybody have any questions for me before I go today? Well, awesome stuff. And David Zinn, what an exciting book. He's an Ann Arbor treasure. Wonderful job. Uh, so very exciting about that. And as always, folks, if you've never visited the Ann Arbor Library for the Blind and Physically Disabled, uh, please get a chance. It's quite a quite an awesome place. Uh, I have a lot of great memories there and uh, definitely love frequenting uh, the library. So thank you so much, Katie, for you and all the library do. You're welcome. Thanks, Zach. And thanks, everybody, for having me. Bye. All right. Awesome. Uh, next up, I'd like to uh, skip up if you don't mind, because um, I'd like to just do, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to do the approval um, of the meeting minutes from April. Uh, so, um, or, um, yeah, I'm sorry, not April, but uh, March. So uh, if you could uh, just take a gander at those folks, or if there are any questions or edits, uh, for the meeting minutes uh, at this time. Oh, I'm sorry, Kathleen, you had your hand raised. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I have two edits. So whenever you're ready. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, so if there are any edits or corrections at this time for the meeting minutes, uh, please feel free <laughs> to speak up now uh, um, and let us know. So Kathleen, uh, go ahead. Sorry about that. I got a little excited. Um, I just have two edits. At the beginning of the meeting, uh, the meeting correction, it says Larry. Wheeler, and I believe it should be Keeler. And then um, the other one is under the council report for Dis um, Council for Disability Concerns. It says the commission met. It should be the council met because it's not a commission. That's all I have. Thank you. No, those are important points. We want to get Larry's name cracked. And of course, yes, you are a council. And that's very important. So thank you. I'll make those changes. Absolutely. Thank you, folks. Any other edits uh, for the meeting minutes of last month? Okay. I would move to approve the agenda. I would move to approve the minutes with the uh, added corrections. The corrections added. All right. Larry moves to approve the minutes. Uh, is there a second? All right. I second. Okay. Uh, Rachel seconds. Uh, really quick, folks. If you don't mind. Uh, all in favor, if you could just raise your right hand and unmute and say aye. 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 Wonderful. Aye. Thank, you. Aye, aye, aye. Thank you guys so much. The meeting minutes uh, from last month are approved. Wonderful. So we did get that out of the way. And now 
uh, a great, great presentations uh, yet again. Very excited and thank you both for your patience. But I'd like to introduce from the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living, Joyce Blair. So Joyce, thank you for joining us and thank you for your patience. How are you? Thank you very well, thanks. Good evening, everyone. Um, the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living is in the middle of a, a wonderful film festival where we are watching films and discussing disability rights, the history of and um, the present situation of disability rights in the United States. The film festival is entitled the Nothing About Us Without Us um, Festival. And um, it will culminate with a film called Bottom Dollars. So today was the second day of the film festival. There's still time to register for the um, culmination tomorrow. Um, those films will take place in the morning and in the evening. And we discussed the historical uh, roots of disability and opportunities for change, equality, inc inclusion, and, and uh, further opportunities in employment. Uh, so one of the issues that we're discussing um, is the sub-minimum wage for people with disabilities in Michigan, and we're trying to address that. So come on out and join us. Um, all of the events that I'm going to discuss are available uh, on our website, uh, the registration and links to more information at www.annarborcil.org. Um, so the, the last films, let's see if I can find the name of them. Um, Tomorrow is presentation, disability and the media for one to four. And that promises to be a really great time. Uh, we have a virtual movie club at the Center for Independent Living on the week of uh, April 28th. There is not a movie this week, but um, Paddington is going to be the movie for the virtual movie club. And registration is through Anna at aacil.org. We also have a virtual art class um, that the art class is in a relaxed online social environment. Uh, we they rotate through different media and use new materials and techniques in a guided manner. Um, there's a facilitator that is just wonderful. Uh, no previous experience is necessary, and it's a great social outlet for people. No special equipment or supplies are needed, and those classes take place on both Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and so see our website for further information. Trivia Tuesdays, get silly, get goofy. Most of all, put on your thinking cap. That's Tuesdays, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. And every Tuesday, we get together to play trivia. Whether you like easy questions or the tough ones, join us for some Tuesday fun. We talk about ideas, solutions, and problem solving for whatever disability-related challenges you might be having. And you participate on Zoom or by telephone. Be Active at Home Spirit Club, inclusive fitness. Are you looking to stay active at home and connect with others? Our fitness club welcomes all abilities with three different adaptations of exercises, all on one screen. Participants are welcome to do the workout as presented or modify it as they are comfortable. That happens Mondays and Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. And then there's a spinal cord injury virtual meetup that will happen next on May the 3rd 
12 to 1.30 p.m., facilitated by Tom Holtland. Um, he can be emailed at tom at aacil.org. Members of the community are invited to join us for the Disability Community Action Lab, a political advocacy uh, organization and group that talks about current issues uh, that we want to advocate for with our legislators. Uh, let's see. The U of M Adaptive Sports and Fitness has a program that is open to all community members on a drop-in basis at no cost. Um, masks and COVID vaccination are required of all participants, and you must register three days in advance. The information and link is on our website. Um, Thursdays, 8 to 10 p.m., uh, Monday through Thursday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. is track and field. Um, that first one, I'm sorry, was wheelchair tennis. And then wheelchair basketball is 6.30 to 8.30 on Wednesdays and Saturdays, 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. Um, at various locations at the university. So see our website for more information. And danceability on Zoom. We have danceability can be high energy or slow and, and gentle. So come as you are and co-create a dance in a diverse community. The class is for people with and without disabilities with and without formal dance training. Cost is zero to $200, depending on your ability to pay. These classes are every other Wednesday, virtually 5.30 to 7 p.m. through June the 22nd. The registration link is on the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living's website. In Livingston County, there are some social events uh, with special ministries, and those are listed on our website, and they're, they're sort of numerous, so I don't think I'm going to list all of them. Um, the University of Michigan is conducting a research study about the use of manual wheelchairs. The researchers are seeking both wheelchair users and non-wheelchair users to participate. You must be age 50 plus to, participa to participate and participants will receive $40 plus $10 for parking. Um, the contact information is on our website, but the phone number is 734-764-9965. If you receive Medicaid home and community-based uh, services, the Department of Human Services would like to, Health and Human Services in Michigan would like to speak to you and see, is seeking your feedback. Um, for more information on that study, please see our website because I don't see an email address here. Your input is needed for slurred speech technology. Students at the University of Michigan are seeking input from individuals with slurred speech as they develop technology to provide independence for individuals on the standard speech spectrum. Participants are entered into a drawing for a $100 gift card. Um, that can be uh, accessed through mayoros at umich.edu and that's spelled M-A-Y-A-R-O-S at umich.edu. Vision disabilities and beauty products. Researchers at the University of Michigan are investigating issues related to beauty product descriptions and vision disabilities. If you have a vision disability and use beauty products, um, you can sign up for this study. It's 
the address, uh, the email address is klphilli at umich.edu. There are several other studies here. Um, one is spinal cord injury and pregnancy. The Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living has an MS support group that meets on Mondays from 7 to 8.30. The link is on our website, or you can call Jody at 734-663-0785. There is a movie watching club organized by James, who is a consumer. Um, get together and go to the movie theater and watch action and superhero movies. After the movie, they go to a nearby restaurant. And anyone, this is open to anyone that is 18 plus who loves movies. It's once per month on Saturdays. Um, you can visit the group website or contact James by contacting the Ann Arbor CIL website. Um, the Center for Independent Living would like to advise everyone that if you have an older phone or, or another device that may be losing its data service soon, devices using a 3G network, including mine, um, technology will no longer get service starting March through December of 2022. This includes older phones, medical alert devices, tablets, smartwatches, home security systems, and more. Um, AT&T, Verizon, and other carriers will notify subscribers if your 3G service will be ending, but some users may not get notified. Um, so if you are unsure of your device and you need more information, please contact us. And the best way to contact the Center for Independent Living is info at aacil.org. The Autism Meetup Group, peer group for adults ages 18 and over with autism in collaboration with the Developmental Disabilities Council of Michigan and the Ann Arbor CIL meets online the first Tuesday of every month, 6 to 8 p.m. For further information, please email um, Izzy at I-B-U-L-L-O-C-K at aacil.org. And finally, uh, if you're interested in visiting our Facebook page, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter page, and you're welcome to join us on those pages. Our building remains closed to the public. We'll be making announcements um, for future events coming soon. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions for me? Thank you so much, Joyce. Uh, you're welcome. And, I, and I wanted to, to ask, uh, too, our fellow commissioner and the executive director of the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living, uh, Alex Gossage, did you have any additional uh, points of information? I do not. Joyce was incredibly thorough tonight. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, legislative day, Alex. You know what? I can send something out to the group about that later. Okay. Thank you, though. Yep. Thank you so much. And just wanted to say uh, thank you so much to both of you and for everything that the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living does. They indeed are a home away from home for people with disabilities uh, in the community and across the city. So again, as they said, for more information on the Ann Arbor Center for Independent Living, please visit their website at aacil.org. All right, wonderful. Next, we have the Partners and Access Committee, uh, Partners and Access and Community Engagement Committee reports um, with um, Alex Gossage and Rachel Hawkins. 
Good evening, everybody. I will be super quick, uh, not as eventful of a, a month as we've had more recently with some great meetings we've had with uh, Councilwoman Nelson and our, our bill related to the audible pedestrian signals, as well as uh, some other meetings that we've been able to have. Uh, but Larry and I did meet, and one of the things that we had discussed, and, and I think Zach will talk a little bit more about it um, in his report out, was um, we both agreed that we thought it would be a good idea for the commission to uh, take part of the, at the Visions Conference that the library will be holding. Uh, so I'll let Zach talk a little bit more about that. And that's that's all we have to report this month. All right. And but but before I do that in the uh, before I do that in the chair report, I'd also <laughs> like to uh, give it over to Rachel Hawkins. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to add in regards to Ann Arbor Inclusive. Um, so they their next uh, next new show is premiering on this Friday, um, April 22nd at 4.30 p.m. on CTN. Um, and it's with the founder of We Can't Wait discussing the auto no-fault reform. So if you're interested in this discussion about the auto no-fault reform, that it would be something probably of interest to you. Um, the March show is also up on YouTube as well, um, and that focuses on the multidisciplinary collaborative course at University of Detroit Mercy, which pairs engineering students and nursing students um, with clients who have physical disabilities to build a medically safe device to improve their quality of life. So that is also up there now. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for, with community engagement um, in Ann Arbor Inclusive doing a great job. The Community Television Network of Ann Arbor, Linda Evans, and of course, Tom Holtland, the host. Great job there. Thank you so much, Rachel. Next, we have recruiting activity with Mr. Larry Keeler. Yeah, we have another application that Denise sent me that I'm going to review and probably chase down this week and see what's going on with that. And I'm also very interested in the uh, the upcoming possible vendor uh, visions thing, because I think we can use that as a great recruiting activity. And I'm looking forward to see what the commission has to say about that. And I'm also willing to work that being a recruiting person. So that's it. All right, wonderful. And thank you both. Uh Larry and of course uh, Councilwoman Nelson for your your help in reviewing those and uh, making sure that we we are getting good applications and qualified applicants on the commission. Uh, and Larry, I completely agree. I think Visions will be uh, be a nice uh, event um, for getting our our mission out there and hopefully getting some other good people uh, to sit on the commission and join us. Absolutely. Uh, next, we have the Transportation Commission update. Now, of course, Commissioner Hull could not join us, but uh, the uh, minutes uh, are on the agenda uh, there. And so if there are any uh, you know, any points of information uh, for that, just let us know. Uh, but we're going ahead and move forward because he could not join us uh, this evening. Next, we have the U of M Council for Disability Concerns meeting update with Kathleen. Hello everyone, I'll keep this short. Um, we did meet April uh, 12th on Tuesday at noon. 
via Zoom. And I believe in our packet, it was from March. I have sent the corrected minutes for April to Denise so that she can get them out to everyone. Our next meeting is Tuesday, May 10th at noon. Um, at our meeting, we had a we had a lot of great discussions on current and emerging issues that exist in the disability community at the University of Michigan. From our brainstorm uh, session, we had several emerging topics for future CFDC meetings, including reviewing the ADA baseline training available to various campus units. Unit, pardon me, campus units. We also uh, talked about updates on the Disability Community Center. We also brainstormed um, updates on a formalized academic program on disability culture and studies, and also updates on the digital accessibility policy and standard practice guide. Again, that was all brainstorming. There were no decisions or anything made. We also uh, discussed the lack of formal mentorship programs for disabled students and faculty and staff at the university. So they've created a form to begin collecting a list of mentors for students, faculty, and staff. And if people are interested in being a mentor, they can fill out a membership form, which will be attached to the meeting minutes that you should be receiving in your inbox. Um, other than that, that's everything that I have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kathleen. And thank you to the University of Michigan Council for Disability Concerns for all the great work uh, that you're doing as well. Thank you very much. Um, next, um, we have uh, the city personnel report with Denise. Excuse me, um, Commissioner Solomon had his hand up. Oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead, uh, Commissioner Solomon. Good. It was just a quick follow-up for Kathleen, which was just a sort of sense, <clears throat> does there seem to be energy appetite for disability studies as a program more formalized? Uh, I know that it's had a huge response on some campuses, and I'm just curious, uh, you kind of got your finger on the pulse. Do you get the sense that there's energy there or appetite for that? There is definitely a lot of buzz going on right now with regards to that. I do know that we were just pleased to have the, um, I can't remember her name from the University of Toledo was with us last month and they already have a, a program in place. And so I do know that there is, um, there is a lot of discussion, but I don't know what sort of traction is being made on that. But I'm hoping that that discussion will continue and will only grow. Uh, it's definitely needed. And I think that the University of Michigan would be an excellent place to have that sort of um, initiative. Thanks for that report. And please keep us posted. That's that's um, really interesting news. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Next, we have the um, city personnel report with Denise. Good afternoon. Um, welcoming city personnel is Samantha Papuzzi, 15th District Court, Court Bailiff, Maria Phelps, Customer Service Administrative Assistant, Stacy Fountain, Building and Rental Service Development, Derek Hutton Kinsey, Building and Rental Services, um, Development Services Inspector, John Migaro, Engineer, Civil Engineering, Kyle Pettibone, Public Works Engineer, Joseph Rupp, 
engineer, transportation technician. Retirement farewell goes to Alan Brock, fire service logistics officer. Daniel Campbell, fire service driver, operator. John Kimberly, public works technician. David Monroe, police detective. And Kelly Stark, public service administration, administrative assistant. And that's it. All right. Thank you so much, Denise. You're uh, welcome. And folks, I'm going to keep this brief uh, because I know we're running uh, running uh, long today. But as far as the chair report, the biggest thing I wanted to report uh, today was, again, about our offer uh, to have a table and uh, some representation at Visions 2020 at the Ann Arbor District Library. Again, that'll be June 8th. And of course, I'm working uh, with um, our vice chairman, Mr. Keeler, as well as Katie Monkevich. Uh, to just find out kind of what we need um, at that particular table. And of course, I just wanted to gauge from all of you, you know, what you think should be at that table. Um, because I know we have, uh, in the past, we have some disability resource cards uh, that could possibly be printed, but I don't know if we actually have like flyers about our commission and what we do and our mission and things like that. Uh, so maybe those could, could be developed uh, before June 8th. Uh, but what also some other feedback you all of you as commissioners might have in terms of what would be beneficial uh, and most effective in terms of having uh, at our table to be able to um, uh, promote, but also communicate to the community what our mission is and the work that we're doing. I plan on being there and Vice Chairman Keeler did say that he did uh, as well, but I just wanted to um, uh, report on that, that we got an offer to have a table there, and I think that's uh, tremendous. So leading up to June 8th, uh, I'm hoping that we can, uh, you know, kind of uh, figure out the items that we would like, and then also uh, figure out how we can get those, those specific um, uh, materials printed and made uh, so that those materials uh, can uh, be present uh, at the table that we have. Uh, the library will offer to help us set up um, the table as well. And so they've been very accommodating about that. Um, Larry, you had your hand raised. Yeah, I, that, that 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 was part of my question is to get flyers. How, uh, who would pay for the flyers or how would we get them printed? And the second question is, and maybe this is for Katie or the WISD, it might be good to get maybe 20 copies or so of a Braille flyer. Since this is visions and, and um, it's a lot of the technology is geared toward visually impaired people, probably have a few there. I don't know how many for the community, but uh, it would be nice to maybe have 20 Braille copies okay. or at least to think about it. Okay. So we want a Braille flyer as well as uh, regular flyers for the commission. Absolutely. I, I agree. That would be nice. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And then... Um, I do have a draft somewhere in my email of those disability resource cards with those as well. I think those would be helpful to the community to have uh, on the table as well. But I, I would like to I would like to encourage all of you that if you have um, some ideas and or options uh, of what else we could have on the table, please feel free to reach out to myself and or Denise. And then, um, yeah. I, I'd love to discuss, you know, with you, Larry, uh, and the commission uh, also, um, you know, how uh, we can get those 
uh, particular materials paid for and, and sort of the processes uh, and going forward with that and, and kind of um, who who would be best to approach about that. So will we vote under this on new 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 business or should should we vote on whether we want to be part of it under new business or um yeah that's a good question um yeah i think um i think we should vote under it under new business larry um so i mean i guess the question is is there anyone opposed to being a part of this first of all and then um you know if you are i'd like to hear your your brief thoughts uh, but, you know, if we are uh, in favor of being a part of Visions and having a table on June 8th at the Ann Arbor District Library, uh, is there a sort of a motion uh, to approve that? I'll move to approve that we be part of it. Okay. Um, all in favor of um, being a part of the Visions uh, event on June 8th and having a table, if you don't mind just unmuting and raising your hand uh, and say, aye. 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 Commissioner Solomon has his hand up, Solomon rather. Yes, thank you, Commissioner Solomon. Just to say aye, uh, that's all that was, to say aye. Uh. And Commissioner Button, you had a, your hand up? Is that a, is that a vote or? Okay. Okay. That's all right. Well, um, thank you. Thank you all. I appreciate that. And I think that, um, you know, I'll do my best to make sure that we have everything that we need uh, there. And Larry, I look forward to seeing you there as well. And, um, you know, I'll be there. Absolutely. So uh, I think that's going to be uh, very fun. A good day. Awesome. Well, I'll be I'll be in touch with all of you guys as sort of the planning uh, phases are going on, just so everybody can be like in the loop. I'm not trying to overload your inboxes, uh, but just want to keep everyone informed. Rachel, you had your hand raised. Yes, I, I just had a question. Um, had they said what um, what were the hours going to be for this? Um, you know, just what they so do. I know in, in case. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm, it's a Wednesday, so I'd be working, but if it's later in the evening, I could definitely come by as well. It's either 10 to three or 10 to four, 10 to three or 10 to four, something around that. I, I believe it's, I have to look the flyer up exactly. Yeah. Thanks, that's Larry. Fair. Yeah. I believe it's 10 to four, but I will double check with, with you guys on that. And I will send all of you that information, just like the date and times. And of course, the location because we want to be able to see any of you that can make it so absolutely it yeah. is at the downtown library 345 yeah. south yeah. fifth absolutely awesome but that's that's really the biggest thing um that i have for the chair report at this time um moving on under old business i mean as you saw you know i wanted to just again, you know, reiterate how I thought how important it is that we had, um, you know, Rep. Rabian uh, to describe, you know, uh, his le legislation and what he was working for. And of course, I want to thank Councilwoman Nelson as well for making that uh, paramount on, on our front, forefront of thought so that we could even know about that and what we were doing. And, you know, I wanted to know from all of you, you know, what's something that we could do to support him? I know he talked about, hey, 
draft a letter and send it to, to other members and, and other legislators, you know, uh, for where you are and different things. But, you know, do you know, Councilwoman Nelson, is it is it more of a could we just write a letter of support, you know, supporting him? Uh, what's the best sort of next steps in terms of uh, supporting Rep. Robbie in this as well? Well, now, did I I have a question, did um, I talked to Yusuf earlier today and asked him about the resolution that was going to be passed at the county commission about this. And um, I asked him to share it with you, Zach. Did he? Was he able to? Okay, because we could pass something. I mean, we we almost did it at council before, before we understood this completely. We could we could we could at this body. I mean, we did before. Right. Um, approving this go to council. And now the timeline is better because um, the meeting isn't next week. The meeting is the following week. So I could easily get this on the next agenda that we, that council would assert the same support as county commission would have. And I actually, I just heard earlier this afternoon that the county commission meeting is canceled tonight. So okay. Andy Labar's resolution is actually not going to be on their agenda because their meeting isn't happening. This could go to council. We could we could vote and exercise our support um, or express our support um, like we tried to do before. So we could do that easily. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and I want to, I want to, uh, you know, exercise the opinion of the full commission on this, but I would like to vote on, on this action today if we could. Um, but commissioner uh, Keeler, you have your hand raised. So go, go ahead. Oh, my question was, did we vote on this already or. Are, are we voting on this? Because if we're voting on this, so, yeah. Larry, what we happened should. was we voted on it. We voted on a different version of it. Yeah. And now there's, and, and actually okay, so we'll, when we voted on it before, it was in theory, we were expressing opposition to the sort of the bad effects of the 2019, um, was it 2019, well, the amendments. And, and now there's a specific bill that, Representative Robbie is forward. So now we can specifically support his bill because it exists. So that's the difference. It's the same oh, idea, okay. expressing the same idea. It's a little so, so hopefully, um, Commission, I want to be completely transparent uh, and, and forthcoming. I mean, all of you have had an opportunity to hear Rep. Robbie uh, and his case uh, for supporting this. So I want to give all of you, uh, you know, just an opportunity uh, and then is there uh, a motion uh, to support this and bring it towards council? Um, because I believe that this is very, very important. And, you know, obviously there are even residents who have been distressed because of this. And so I think, um, you know, for us to show our support uh, to city council on this particular issue uh, it is important. So, it, it, um, you know, if there isn't any opposition, oh, we have a question. Uh, Commissioner uh, Mozak. Oh, actually, you were asking if there was a motion, and I was just going to say I would like to start the motion to uh, what you just said. <laughs> uh, sure, no, no problem. I'm sorry, I uh, I tend to use too many words. So, is there a motion uh, to bring this to City Council, uh, Kathleen? Uh, there is a motion. So, um, is there a second? Okay, um, Alex, Alex Gossage, uh, could you unmute and just say that you seconded, you were muted, that's okay. Sorry, I thought I, thought I did, uh, I second. Thank you. Okay, folks, 
uh, if if we are all good with this, because I just want to make sure that we're all in agreement um, uh, and that we are good on this. So all in favor, if you could just unmute, all in favor of bringing this to city council, please unmute, raise your hand and say aye. So aye. 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 All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. And of course, again, hold on. I abstain. I'll be on the record that I abstain. You don't didn't call for that. So, what's that, Larry? I said I abstain. Okay. I wanted that on the record that I abstained. If, if you pass, if if the vote passed, that's fine. But I wanted that on record that I abstained. Okay. Um. Do you? Is there a reason you're abstaining? Don't have to give one. I I don't, but I don't. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of other issues going on with it too. So I, I have to do more research to abstain, but I just wanted on record that I said it wasn't a unanimous vote. Well, I appreciate you pointing that out and I appreciate you exercising uh, the political process. Thank you very much. So uh, sure. with you, um, thank you very much, uh, Councilwoman Nelson, uh, for your support on this. Please keep us posted. Uh, in this process um, and how it goes forward. All right. Excuse me, um, Chair Damon. Yes. When we voted on visions, I have the motion passed by Commissioner Keeler. I didn't hear a second. Who second that, please? Yeah, that was uh, Commissioner Gossage. Okay, thank you. Yep. All right. And then um, one final um, one final point here. I wanted to just make the commission aware and hopefully all of you uh, approve of this, but um, I made, um, I was given an opportunity with, uh, in working with uh, Detroit Disability Power. Uh, they were uh, actually sending, uh, a letter uh, in support of the uh, COVID plan going forward uh, to uh, basically get make sure that people with disabilities had good access to vaccines going forward, make sure that they had access uh, to, you know, continued support of the pandemic as different variants are uh, unfortunately becoming prevalent. And we were, the commission uh, was approached, you know, on a very tight timeline to sort of be a part of this letter that was being sent to uh, the governor and other uh, higher ups in terms of just making sure uh, that the disability population was uh, informed and making sure that we had access to adequate vaccines uh, and boosters going forward. Um, you uh, are more than welcome to review this letter for review, but I wanted it to be on record um, that we were asked to do this. Um, and uh, I felt, you know, as a commissioner myself, that this was uh, something that was very important. I think that boosters and vaccines uh, are essential uh, to our health and our safety. And um, I think that, you know, it, it, it's tough when you're faced with a very short timeline uh, of things uh, to be able to to kind of get, you know, a general opinion. But I did my best to look at this legislation, but also look at uh, what they were sending in terms of the letter and judge whether I thought it was something that the commission 
uh, could get behind. And I just wanted all of you to be aware um, that we uh, did sign on in support of this um, because they were asking our support in a very short amount of time. And because it involved individuals uh, and getting boosters and making sure that these the, that people with disabilities had access to boosters and vaccines going forward, to making sure that our population was not left behind, um, you know, I felt that that was essential. But I do have that for review for all of you um, to review. So if there is any dispute or if there are any objections, please feel free uh, to mention that. But um, I just wanted to make it aware because again, I was not given much of a timeline for that. It was basically like I had to, they sent it out and then I had to uh, had to respond. So I appreciate all of you uh, being understanding and I'm doing my best to always keep you informed as best I can in terms of when these things are coming forward. Um, but uh, for some reason, sometimes when I'm approached with these, uh, it's just a very short time window in which they want us to respond. And then sending it to the commission to get like a yes or a full response or be, being able to present it fully to all of you here at meetings um, just takes um, a good amount of time. And so I'm trying to figure out when I am presented with these last minute uh, moves, if you will, or these last minute decisions, I'm trying to figure out to all of you what the best method is to being able to get to keep all of you informed, but then also get an informed decision so that I can move forward. So go ahead, Matthew, you have a question. Yeah, it's more of a question, you know, can't you just simply say to them, this is the basis upon which these meetings are scheduled. This must be put on the agenda, proposed as an item of business subject to a vote. So no, I cannot turn this around in three days or seven days or 14 days, whatever they're asking. Why can't you simply respond in that way? And then we can follow due process just like every other issue in this um, you know, commission. Uh, that's a great question. I can definitely highly consider that. Um, but typically uh, from my experience, just uh, as of late, um, it's, it's just been really difficult. If I were to say, hey, you know, I need more time to decide. They would send. They would already send it out, and, and we wouldn't have time to be a part of it. So, um, it's just a it's just a tough tight time window. But uh, I just want all of you to know that I'm doing my best um, to make sure that we're all informed. That I'm doing my best to make sure that we're also um, continuing to do things together as a commission. But Matthew, I will take into consideration what you said because your feedback is always very important. And I'm hoping that in the future, uh, I can, I can, you know, have the ability to do that. So thank you. So I just, I want to reframe it. It's more that we are not an afterthought. We are not something that should be at the 11th hour, really as an afterthought. We need to be part of this process. It's part of what some of us on the committee have advocated for a stronger ADA coordinator within the city. Right. And if we continue to operate on this basis of jumping, whenever somebody says jump, we are never going to get a full seat at this table. And I just think we ought to just say no. That's my feeling. It's only one person. But I think this is part of a systematic disrespect that the commission is treated with. And it's not acceptable. And it's unfortunately part and parcel 
of you know the afterthought, which is the disability community uh, in Ann Arbor. And I don't think we can prop up this glorious picture that Ann Arbor likes to portray of an inclusive community when we are expected at the last minute to sign off on these things without any kind of consideration, discussion, vote. It's just not fair. And it's, I, I don't, I would be surprised to know if other entities in the city are treated in this way. Well, you bring up a very fair uh, point, Matthew, and thank you um, for that feedback. I can tell you that I will take it uh, into consideration what you've had to say, because again, uh, all the feedback that you give is valid. So I definitely appreciate that. And uh, thank you. I, I will take that into consideration. I know we've got some hand raised, raised folks, but we are running tight on time. So if we can keep the comments uh, just to a minimum on this point, that would be great. Um, and then if there are additional comments, please feel free to shoot an email to Denise or myself. But Denise, uh, if you just want to call on uh, the commissioners that have raised their hands and they can make a brief comment. Council Member Nelson. I, I, I want to piggyback on Matthew's point and it's a little a slightly different one. I was I was curious and I, I, I'm interested in getting this answered in this meeting. I could have asked you after the meeting, I guess, Zach. I was curious how the SEU presentation got on our agenda because um, it caught me by surprise and in, in feeling like it was um, a little bit outside the scope of the topic of this commission. I'm not, I, I'm most of my, my appointments uh, in city council are unconventional ones. Like I, the, we would never have an SEU presentation at the zoning board of appeals. Cause we simply don't have presentations at the zoning board of appeals. Um, and there are a couple of other ones where we, that wouldn't happen, but I was just curious how that, how that came about. I um, mean, are those presentations happening at all the boards and commissions, just all of them? Or I, I was just curious. Well, so there's, there's, you know, a couple things. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I'm approached, you know, with, hey, do I, do, do I think that this would be beneficial to the commission in terms of information or being informative? And, and do I think it's beneficial in terms of technology or assisted, you know, things or, or just good to be in the know? But then also, yes, there are some presentations, I think, that are across the board. This particular one, um, you know, I, I can't necessarily remember whether, um, you know, it was something that I was specifically approached with. Um, but, you know, I think I think sustainability is important to everyone. And I think it's also important in the disability community as well, because we we live and, and work and, you know, whether it's our technology that we use. Uh, that's sustainable, sustainable, or whether it's it's housing, um, you know, it's just nice to be informed. So, uh, so the question is, there's a little bit of both, but um, you know, I think with this, I thought that it was informative, um, just because you know, it's nice to see what the city is doing in terms of uh, you know solar technology, and I think you know, just because we're the Commission on Disability Issues, it doesn't mean we don't want to be informed. So I hope that answers your question, but it's kind of a mixture of both. Commissioner Hawkins. Hi, um, I just want to go back to um, some of Matthew's questions as well. Um, so because it needs to be done in a public meeting, is there any way that we could communicate by email when these more time sensitive things come up? Um, to 
you know, have like an unofficial vote for people, you know, if there are documents for us to review, we can review them by email and respond whether or not we're in agreement with it. Um, I know that's not, not within public meetings, but I didn't know if there was a way we could um, do something for the time sensitive issues like that. Um, but I do agree with Commissioner Solomon as well that it doesn't really solve the issue of um, kind of being an afterthought in terms of um, wanting approval without um, input. Well, no, and I thank you, Rachel. I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I definitely think, you know, that's been attempted in the past with the commission to do an email consensus and get feedback. And from my experience, that just wasn't timely, uh, you know, in the past. So, I mean, we can try it again. Um, but from my experience, it, it just was not uh, timely in terms of the response uh, in sort of attempting to inform everyone through email and then getting a response. So I can definitely make an effort again, you know, to do that and, and see how that'll work. Um, but again, uh, I'll do my best. I, I don't believe that's at least in, in the time that I've been on commission, I don't believe that's been done. So it's probably been about three or four years. Um, so I, I just, I figured I would ask, cause it's not something I, I had had done in the time I've been here. Okay. Alex, do you have a question? Yeah. I think I just, I'll, I'll just echo with and, and agree with, with Rachel and, and Matthew, but largely I, I think it, uh, th there aren't going to be these issues when they do come up fast. And I recognize they, they come up fast. I, I mean, um, my name is on there as a signatory from the CIL. Um, I, I don't think it hurts these initiatives if the commission's not going to be able to be part of them. In fact, I think uh, the only way it's going to, that's going to lend some credence to the, to the commission itself. And then the causes that we're supporting is when the whole commission is able to, to hear about these things in a forum and is able to also have these forums open to uh, members of the community. So I think um, I, I recognize that a lot of this stuff, a lot of advocacy stuff has very short timelines. They're not easy to turn around. And honestly, I don't think it hurts to just say, I'm sorry, we can't do that. Or I'm sorry, we're going to have to do it this this way. This is our process. Um, so just something for us to all think about in the future. I really don't think we need to rush other people's you know, reasons to hurry or not ours. Uh, and uh, we need to make sure that we're doing what's best uh, for the commission in, in terms of representing folks with disabilities here in Ann Arbor. And I think the only way to do that is to uh, deliberate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I, I will say, and in that process, you know, it makes, um, it makes, you know, I think the output of, of, you know, what we do all that more important because it's, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's important, but it's also important. I agree with you to respect that process. So thank you, Alex. Um, other than that, folks, um, Commissioner Keeler, I'm sorry, Commissioner oh. Keeler has his hand up as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank that. One, I think Zach also, we, not, not so much where you're concerned, but I think I want these. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. If they want us to okay or back something, these the other these other groups, they should give it to us in a timely fashion and know that it's supposed to work in a certain way. 
you know, you're going to have to run it through instead of make a snap decision. And I agree you're doing what you, what you think you can, but I think we, I think it's the, the group's got to respect us too. These guys want us to support them. They got to respect us and, and know that we have a procedure that has to happen. And second of all, I, I agree with uh, Councilwoman Nelson. I couldn't figure out where our presentation from Thea uh, connected with disability in, in, a, in a fashion that couldn't have been addressed or looked at in another meeting. And I, I kind of figured it took 25 minutes of our time that we could have been spent looking at actual issues that had to do with disability instead of just general. We could have caught that on another meeting. Well, I'll keep that in mind as I'm approached with different presentations and people uh, wanting to present to us in terms of keeping us informed. Um, you know, I think it's important to be well-rounded as a commission uh, rather than just be tunnel visioned on just disability as a whole, because we are adults and individuals that do also live in a community. But um, I completely agree. You know, uh, it's important to, you know, uh, understand whether those presentations are informative or not. So thank you. Um, sure, Damon. The issue of, of, of being, in, being formal or not, it's the uh, fact that we actually do deal with disability and not don't deal directly with energy concerns. I mean, we're concerned about energy. We want to know how it works, for example, but we don't. Whether we didn't have a plan for people with disabilities, for example, and how to save some of these energy classes. Right. No, I, I agree. And again, I'll do a better job um, of vetting those requests uh, to make sure that our time is, you know, better utilized. Chair Damon? Yes. I wanted to um, let Council Member Nelson know that uh, Missy Stoltz reached out to us and other commissions, all commissions, um, from the Office of Sustainability and Innovation and asked could they make a presentation to the commissions in April or May. And I brought it to the, the chair and vice chair. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that clarification. And I and just to reiterate, I, I don't have much of a window on this because my other appointments are not conventional like this one. Thank you. Sure. All right, folks. Well, I'm sorry. I know that there are others that have some comments, but um, unfortunately, folks, we're we're getting close on time as it is almost six o'clock here. And so uh, if there are any additional, uh, I guess, comments or issues, I encourage you guys to reach out to me uh, through email or through uh, my phone. I'm approachable. And, you know, you guys can address uh, any particular uh, issues or comments that you would like. But at this time, I know that we're going far over uh, our usual meeting time. So I think it's best that we do adjourn uh, this evening. But hold on, Mr. Chair. Is Mr. Chair, I've got another. Yes. I've raised my hand. Yes. I've got another subject that I don't think we've addressed yet. And very quickly, we were going to address the. Uh, we may we may have to table. We may table that. We were going to address the. Uh, 
Commissioner, you know, we were going to uh, the credit commissioner absences and whatnot, and how to deal with that. And if we don't address it, my suggestion would be to look at bylaw section ten through twelve. Okay, Larry, I'm sorry you broke up a little bit there. Um, oh yeah, that happens. Um, we were going to talk about the commissioners, you know, what to do about absent absent commissioners that had chronic absences. Oh, right. And um, how we were going to deal with that. And my suggestion was if we're not going to do it today, I don't know, was it mentioned on the agenda? If it wasn't, um, we'll do it next time. But I would suggest that we go look at sections 10 through 12 of the bylaws. Got it. Um, well, I can make sure, Larry, that that's on the agenda um, for the next meeting, um, because I think it is an important uh, topic. We need to be able to make sure that we have, you know, solid attendance. And of course, the most important thing, uh, a quorum, if we want to be able to continue to, uh, you know, move forward with things that we really feel passionate about. If we don't have a quorum, we can't necessarily vote. Ergo, not, no, that it, not, not that it's always about that, folks, but it's important to have a quorum so that if we do have action items that we want completed and voted on as a full commission, um, that that be the case. So I agree, attendance is important. And thank you, Larry. I'll make sure um, that we get that put on the agenda um, so that we can discuss that next month. Um, the final thing that I wanted to address uh, was just the December meeting. And Denise, do you mind? Uh, talking a little bit more in depth about that. Sure, not at all. I just wanted to let the commission know that their meeting is on the 21st of December. And would they like to keep it that date or would they like to move to another week, maybe the 14th, instead of so close to the holiday season? If you're satisfied with that, then we'll leave it as is. I'm okay with leaving it as is because I'll I'll still be working up to the holidays, so I I don't have any conflicts in terms of vacation or other things. Okay. All right. I mean, if that changes, we've got a little bit of time, but I wanted to make sure that um, you know that was put forth and we had an opportunity to at least talk about that. Um, you know, at this time, again, uh, de I'm definitely not trying to rush things, but I know that we've just taken a lot of time today. So I just want to thank you all um, for your time. Uh, I think, you know, we can adjourn for today. But again, if there are any other, you know, questions, comments, concerns, uh, things that you want uh, to address, I encourage you, reach out to me. You guys have my information. You have my email, but you also have my cell phone. So do not hesitate to reach out to me, to give me a call, to let me know how things are going. If you can't make meetings, uh, to just let me know or let any of us know. And uh, yeah, let's just keep, keep in touch with each other. Uh, I thank you all for your time. And com uh, Commissioner Solomon, you have a question. We need a motion to adjourn. I just want to make sure we're following the procedure. Yes. Uh, yes. So is there a motion uh, to adjourn the meeting today? Okay. Elizabeth, she motions. Uh, is there a second uh, to adjourn? I'll second. All right. 
Thank you, folks. Um, thank you. We uh, are adjourned uh, for today. And I appreciate everyone's time and I appreciate everyone's feedback. Uh, I do um, take notes. I do uh, understand uh, a lot of the uh, feedback. So I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you all uh, for your time. And please, like I said, reach out, keep in touch. And uh, if you have anything else going forward, uh, please let me know. But thank you very much. And I wish you all safety and happiness. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.